I just want to read a little Christmas uh, famous few verses that we kind of use at Christmas time, but I want to encourage you. This was placed in the Bible for us to meditate on and to think over and to mull on all the time. Amen? Everything in the Word is, a, is given to us as a beauty. Welcome to those that are never said welcome to welcome to all of you. Lovely to have you guys with us. Yay. Um, so just, yeah, feel at home. Please relax and just enjoy this moment to, of our togetherness. So beautiful to be together as family and, and celebrate, for me, what life is all about, actually. And um, that's why I want to encourage you, don't just read these scriptures on Christmas Day. Um, it's really sad to do that, you know, to do the little pieces in the Bible just once a year or twice a year or three times a year. It's a little sad when it's written for us to mull over and to meditate on and to see the bigness of God. And I believe the birth of Christ is one of those moments where we should be meditating on and mulling over all the time. But anyway, it's a great privilege today to actually focus on it. We can all get, get together. Amen. For those of you who haven't opened your presents, whatever, you can uh, get all excited and know that that's coming. Um, but concentrate. Everybody concentrating. Um, this is probably the greatest present you can ever unwrap. And I'm hoping every single person here today will unwrap something of what uh, Jesus has done for us and who he is. So I'm going to read a little bit of the story, pull out a couple of truths, um, and then try and land in this incredibly short space of time. And that will be a Christmas miracle. So, so let's try this. If we can go to Luke chapter 2, uh, just very quickly. Um, there's just two scriptures I want to I wanna just uh, us to look at this morning and then uh, just pray together and we can go have some Christmas pudding or whatever. I look like a Christmas pudding at the moment, but God's good. Amen. So Luke chapter 2, have you got it? The heading in my Bible says the birth of Jesus Christ. That'll give you a hint. And uh, it starts off like this. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Shikaribiasundu Kurabasiti Meshekarabiande Quirinius, that's how you say it. Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So he registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, or swaddling clothes, yeah, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, while you're looking at that, I also just want to read for you, just for the sake of uh, emphasizing a point here this morning, I just want to read you chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, just a couple of verses, the very first couple of verses. In Luke chapter 3, it says this, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Traconitus, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. 
Now, just to help and encourage you, why the heck does God go through all those couple of verses with all those lekkergroot woorden um, that we all battle with? Why would God put that in the Bible? It's the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod, the tetrarch of Galilee, and Philip, the tetrarch of the region of Euturia, and Traconitus, and... Um, some other groot word, Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, and was during the, the reign of the, of the high priest of Annas and Caiaphas. All these exciting things. And uh, what we just read in, in Luke chapter 2, it says, In these days a decree went out from Caesar, Caesar, Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Um, this was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, was on his duty. All of this, friends, helps us understand one thing this morning. How many of us know that this is not a myth? This is not some Greek myth. This is not some lacquer DC comic story, right? It's trying to help us understand here something, that it's not just something that was grabbed out of pie in the sky, just something nice, a nice fluffy thing, nice thing that we do. This isn't something about flying, mystical, on drugs reindeer. Right? You could, if you respond, and I, I kind of like finish the point, otherwise I carry on emphasizing the point. So what we're trying to understand here is this, you can go back into history. This is an event that happened in history. This is something clearly marked. Jesus did not want us to get this wrong. The Holy Spirit did not want us to get this wrong. God did not want to get us. The Father wanted us to get this wrong. You can go back and you can study and you can find out. This is a historical fact, friends. Amen. Now, as we read this, because of the sake of time this morning, this is an interesting historical fact. The historical fact around this whole thing is simply this is that if you go back to chapter 1, verse 26, it says that the angel of the Lord Gabriel comes down and begins to minister and speak to Mary. And guess where Mary lives? Mary lives in Nazareth, in Galilee, right? It's in the story. So Mary lives over there. The angel comes to her. She was chosen by God, favored by God. The presence of the Lord was all, all over her. And uh, as God said that, and she was like, wow, awesome, yay God, credible story in all of that, how she just says, yields to God. That's a Christmas story in itself. But it's amazing that she's in Nazareth. Now, understand this, hundreds of years, like 700 years before, there's a prophet Micah on this earth, and he prophesies in chapter 5, verse 2, and he says that a Savior is going to be born where? Bethlehem. A Savior is going to be born in Bethlehem. Guys. I'm mocking you now. <laughs> Not Nazareth, Bethlehem. A Savior is going to be born in Bethlehem. Friends, Nazareth and Bethlehem are quite far apart. Now you can ask yourself the simple question, isn't it much easier for God to just have gone and find some beautiful, lovely little lady in Bethlehem? This is one seriously beautiful story here. God searches out a woman in Nazareth. But he needs to get this lady from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. But it's no problem. You can all relax because he's God. So what he does is he kind of doesn't think up something like, hey, I need to organize. I'll speak to the boss and organize Joseph a business trip. 
I just kind of work out some nice little thing and get somehow he's going to go on holiday and he's going to go to Bethlehem because Bethlehem have the best city lights. No, what he does, friends, is it's the first time in the whole world that the ruler of the known world decides to take a registration and everybody has to go back to their hometown. This is no ordinary little event, this. This is a worldwide. Let's just shuffle everyone worldwide because I need to get somebody from Nazareth. I need to get them to Bethlehem. It's an amazing, an amazing story. God shuffled massive worldwide paperwork to get Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem because that's what he prophesied would happen. I'm telling you the Christmas story, but I'm telling you your story. So they get all the way to Bethlehem. And when they get to Bethlehem, it's packed. There was a massive conference going on there on donkey sales, and we don't know why it was packed. So that's Grant's interpretation. It was packed, and the only place that there was left was in a front stable. And it says that they put the baby in swaddling clothes and lay him in a manger. A manger is a trough where animals eat from. Frot, smelly, trough. Now, can I ask you the simple question here this morning? Very simple question, very easy Should all get 10 out of 10 for this one. A God who can shuffle paperwork in the whole world and can sort out and make the known ruler of the world make a decree that everybody has to go back to uh, their home uh, town and then therefore Joseph, who's betrothed now, has to go back and he shuffles and does all these massive things to get Mary to arrive at Bethlehem, has got no power to find a five-star hotel. He's got no power to actually find accommodation for Mary. How many know that kind of God who shuffles around the world can organize the Ritz, the Continental, the Hilton? He can organize whatever he wants. Friends, what's this telling us? It's planned. It's planned. Mary goes all the way to Bethlehem and has a baby and puts him in a manger in a barn in a, where animals live because it's all planned. God had a plan. I want to encourage us this morning to understand this story, to understand the greatness of this story of how it's not some little fancy little myth. You cannot sit here this morning and just on Christmas Day when I come and feel good about some little fancy little thing, and I'm trying because the kids are here to don't get misfocused on a whole bunch of other red and white and uh, fancy things that fly and all kinds of things in the North Pole and all of that. You can't sit here this morning and get comfortable that this 
is just one of those nice little things and it's a good movie to go to. Friends, this is history. This is an event that happened. The second thing, it was very planned, it was very purposeful and God orchestrated and he outworked this. And friends, he is a unique divine appointment God. And he could have gone and he could have sorted things out in Bethlehem so much easier, but he went all the way to Nazareth to find a woman who was surrendered and submitted, who was yielded to him, who was an amazing woman, which you need to read chapter one to understand this amazing lady. And every single one of you are unique in God. Every single one of you, God is watching over every single one of you and he wants to come and choose you. Friends, and it's planned. It's not haphazard. It's not one day just coming along and goes, whoops, who are you? Oh, I suppose I could do something with you. Friends, he knows every single thing that you do. You were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. For some of us, we're quite old. We don't want to go back to thinking about. But the reality is, friends, we are unique in God. And God orchestrated and outworked things, friends. And he had a plan and a purpose for our lives, for what God wants to do through our lives. But the uniqueness of, of and this you have never heard before, but take this. Take this very important truth. The uniqueness of the plan is that when Jesus came, friends, he did not come with all the trumpet and the fanfare. He did not come and, uh, and have a huge party and the whole of Jerusalem celebrated and came. And he came and he was born in a little, little manger. Now understand, you're talking about God here, just so he can help us understand. You're not talking about some famous, some wealthy, some big shot. You're talking about God creator of heaven and earth, comes down and, and uh, limits himself into a little baby in a manger, frock little manger. Okay, you got that point. Okay, hold that point. Now go with me back to Genesis. We're just going to walk through the Bible quickly. No, we're not. We go to Genesis very quickly. I just want to share something with you. If you've never seen this before, then see it this morning, hopefully, and treasure it for the rest of your life. Now, most of us here should know a little bit about the Bible. We know a little bit about the story. We know a little bit about Adam and Eve in the beginning, right? Let's hope. Who doesn't know anything about Adam and Eve? <laughs> okay, so we know the story about Adam and Eve. I just want to read this part if you didn't know this part. Adam and Eve, right? Uh, okay, so Adam and Eve now, they've chosen uh, to eat. How many know? Okay, let me do it very quickly. Okay, there's a garden. God creates a garden. They're all in the garden. They're having great fun. They got all, they got all, everything that they need, it's wonderful. God says just one thing. One thing, honey, don't eat from the what? From this tree. What's this tree called? It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? But there's the tree of life, which is a symbolic of Jesus Christ, which is what we're talking about this morning. And this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that tree, right? So what happens is Eve and Adam standing there get conned by the enemy, whatever, and they think, no, no, we're going to go and eat from that tree. Okay, so they've eaten from that tree. In the end of chapter 3, you can read it there from verse uh, something, 20, from verse 20. The man called his, his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and, and, and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. How many know they were naked and unashamed and they sinned? And then uh, so the glory of the Lord left them and now he has to clothe them with uh, skins. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So man 
has got everything, everything that he needs. He's clothed in the glory of the Lord. He's walking with God. Everything is beautiful and is wonderful. All he mustn't do is eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Guess what man does? He decides he can do it his own way. He's gonna go and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He loses the glory. Uh, he he uh, sins, falls out of the uh, beautiful reconciliation and union with God. And now um, God has to come along and he has to... Uh, kill an animal for the first time, and blood has to be shed, and he has to cover him with skins. Um, he has to try and cover up his nakedness. And then he says something very powerful here, which a lot of people miss. How many know that when God created uh, Adam and Eve, and he created them male and female, he created them in, the, in, he said, their image, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were created in the image of God. How many know that? So they were created in the image of God. But then it says here, that man now has eaten from this tree and he has become. Did you get that part? Man, it says here, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. In other words, man was already like them. He was made in their image, like God, right? Satan tried to deceive them and say, no, if you eat like this, you will become like God. They already were like God. But God knew all along, friends, that they were not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they, while they were not eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were totally in one, everything was perfect in God, right? But he said, if, if he was to allow them to eat from the tree of life, stay with me, if he was allowed to eat from the tree of life, then they would live forever. And if they live forever eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, guess what would happen? They were never meant to know good and evil, friends. They were meant to know God. In their arrogance, they wanted to know everything. So what happens, he has to take them away from the tree of life, put this amazing sword, whoo, dancing sword, that protected the tree of life, kicked them out the garden, friends, and guess what? Death came in. So I'll read you those two scriptures very quickly. If you go to Romans chapter five, I'm landing, I'm gonna move fast. Romans chapter five, verse, you can read from verse 17. If because of one man's trespass, trespass Death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteous reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Right? And, okay. and 1 Corinthians, let's just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 21, for as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. So what happens 
is that he has to keep them away from the tree because they have chosen to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Sin has entered their lives because they were never meant to know and understand the knowledge of, the, of good and evil. Friends, they were meant to know God. Get this point. They were never meant to, friends. While they were not eating from that tree, everything was great. The minute they ate from that tree, and then God said, because they've eaten of that tree, they've become like me. What is God saying? They already were made in His image and like Him. But even though they were made in His image and they were sons and daughters, they were never meant to be like Him in knowing good and evil because we do not have the power. Because if we know good and evil, friends, we're always going to miss the mark and we're going to fail. Catch this. This is important. This is why Jesus came. This is the birth of Jesus Christ. So what happened is he keeps them away. They have to die. Why do they have to die, friends? Because he loves us. And they have to die, friends, because he doesn't want them to stay in the position that they're in. They need to be redeemed. Now understand this. God, who is eternal, cannot die. Right? God cannot die. So what does he have to do, friends? He has to come and be a man because of what? Because he needs to die. So Jesus, amazing, wonderful, glorious, majestic, beautiful Savior, King and Lord, who reigns supreme, who is honored in majesty and in power and in might, friends, has to come down and has to enter man. We are celebrating the moment where God entered into man. God became a man. Not just a man, friends. God became a little baby. Ooh, 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 ooh. Need a dummy. Here's some food. God. Going through the same colic. Gums irritating. It's all through the same procedures. Friends, everything that we walked, he had to walk. God. I'm trying to get to a point very quickly. They laid him in a manger, friends. God. Because in the very beginning, friends, man's arrogance led him to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and away from the tree of life. And God came down to rescue man, to restore him back, to send him back to the original understanding that we need to let go of our arrogance. So he purposefully and planned gets born in a manger. Mark chapter 10, who knows the verse? Mark chapter 10 says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 2 Corinthians chapter eight talks about Jesus. He became poor so that we might become rich. Luke chapter 9, I think it's around 50, 58 I think it is. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to place His head. Ooh. This birth of Jesus, friends, is depicting for us something extremely beautiful and marvelous. Philippians chapter two says, although he was God, he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. He was obedient even to the point of death. That's my Jesus. The birth of Jesus Christ to celebrate Christmas is a glorious and beautiful time. It is exceedingly great joy because in this little moment that we are living in where God created the earth, friends, this little moment, in the whole of eternity, it's a small little moment. The great and almighty God who created everything, who could just cook the moment and create another moment, loves us so much that he steps into that moment, friends, to deal with an issue that was stopping us from being restored back and being part of his family and being part of a child of God. And he comes in and he typifies the nature and the character of who God is to help us understand that this happened back there, but we are to learn from that and to not do it again, friends. That God chose us, that our lives are purposeful, that it's planned, that we have a point in history right now. You can say, you can say right now in the year of 2017, um, while Jacob Zuma was potentially still president and and. This one was here, and all those things we can state, my point in time is now. And as my appointed time is now, God has planned and orchestrated that I'll be at such a time as this right here in North Riding, that you'd be here this morning even. That as you're sitting in your life, as you're contemplating 2018 and the journey and the decisions that you're gonna make and what you're gonna do, the birth of Jesus Christ will break into your life and help you to understand that in that whole picture, friends, is a very clear mandate that God's trying to give us. He's trying to tell us we're gonna let go of our arrogance, friends. That we are not meant to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, friends. We're not meant to make decisions and sort things out and do things all in our own strength, friends. But we are to humble ourselves and become like a servant. To come like God came and just to yield ourselves to Him because we're called to know Him and not anything else, friends. And as we're called to know Him, friends, He will lead and He will guide us. And 2018 is a powerful year because Joseph and Mary were led from that moment on powerfully, friends. Even when trouble would come, God directed them around the trouble. I don't care what 2018 holds, I'm with God. Amen. And friends, I want to encourage us here today and to say, as we look out over 2018, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, what does that mean to us today, friends? means God reconciled us back to him. It's beautiful. It means that he would come, friends, purposefully, Lord, uh, to enter into man because he came to die. Only man could die. First time ever, friends, that God came inside of man and he lived a perfect life, friends, and he died on our behalf and he became the first fruits that as we surrender our lives, as we yield our lives to him, we become just like him, God, men, and women. God inside of our lives. The world has yet to fully experience and see what a God-man looks like. The last time it saw it and experienced it was Jesus Christ. Friends, we're not meant to be like others, friends. We're not meant to just come to church, clap our hands. People come in with wheelchairs, go out with wheelchairs. People come with crutches, go out with crutches. People come in with problems, go out with problems. Friends, we are meant to be God-men and women. We carry the presence and the power of God. And Jesus came, friends, for that, to die so that he could restore us back to be God, men and women. 
to carry his, him as worthy of him, friends, because the Bible says that's why he put himself in these piddly, fiddly, fatty, roundy uh, earthen vessels so that he could be displayed, friends. But he can only be displayed, friends, when we eat from the tree of life and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I wanna encourage you as you embark out, as you go forth and you're making decisions, doing whatever you're doing, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of, of No, don't eat from that. Eat from the tree of life. Take that tree and put some muti on the stump and kill it. Amen? My encouragement to you today, it is exceeding great joy. Woo. Can I encourage you that God made an earth, but his plan was always to make a new earth. And he wants to make a new heaven and earth. It's even better. God had a covenant, but his plan was always a new covenant. Is that beautiful? You see, when the angel came down and the angel said, I've come to the shepherds to tell you good news of exceeding great joy. What happened when the angel declared that? Suddenly the sky was filled with angels and they began to worship and praise him. Friends, when you capture and you understand what I'm sharing to you this morning, this exceeding great joy, it moves from an individual it moves to a family. It moves to all peoples. It moves to praise and worship of God. If we today capture this heart of God, if we will humble ourselves, if we will yield to Him, if in 2018 we will say, Lord, we wanna follow you, we wanna know you, we yield to you, your plans, your purposes. It's our appointment in history that right now, where we are at, God, you are leading and you are guiding us into great things. If we can do that, friends, whoo, there will be exceeding great joy. Because the Bible, Romans 8 says what? It says even creation is groaning. Eagerly it's awaiting the sons and the daughters of God to arise. The God men and women to arise. Amen? Men and women who are not about themselves. But Jesus said it. Equality with God is not something to be grasped. Friends, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, guess what happened? I became a son and daughter of his. Guess what? All of his is mine. Guess what? I've got an incredible inheritance. Friends, I'm a sherbetly wealthy man. Got everything. The guy who actually created this now is my dad, and his bank account's fully open to me. But that's not something to be grasped but taking the form of a what? A servant. Man, I'm gonna get up there and live in the inheritance anyway for eternity, for a brief moment. Jesus didn't grasp what he had, but laid his life down and came into this moment for that brief moment. I don't wanna grasp what I have, but lay it down for him. Amen. As I go into 2018, it's not about me. He didn't come about him, friends. He came about us. I'm saying it's not about us, it's about him. Amen. As we sit here this morning and we go out and we have our lunches and lacquer chars and whatever else you're gonna have and all of that. Friends, it's not about us. It's a joyous, glorious thing. It takes the pressure off us. I'm sitting there, how am I gonna sort this out and whoo, what am I gonna do, whatever, and that's not about us. When we just yield to him, we say, God, what's your will? What do you wanna do? I just, I don't wanna eat from that tree. That tree just makes me exhausted. That makes me chase after things, friends, with just puff, poof, smoke. 
You can chase after that, friends, and in a couple of days, the share price can go to nothing. And you can be worth billions and be worth nothing. But here, your value in God is eternal. You never lose your value in God. As I seek Him and as I follow Him, as I do what He's called me to do, my value never changes. I'm worth everything. Amen. Because He gave His Son for me and for you. That means we're worth one heck of a lot. Amen. So you don't have to do any. I'm, I'm just encouraging us this morning, if this has stirred something in your heart, this has made you feel a little excited, um, and it's not the, whatever you ate last night or the trifle, it's, it's the Holy Spirit that's stirring inside of you, then um, I, want us, I, want to just, I want to pray together. You don't have to stand. I just want to pray together. I want to, I want to say, Lord, let's take this moment. Let's activate the word of the Lord. Let's activate the seed of God that's planted inside of our hearts and we have a decision to make today what we do with that seed that's in our ground. You can let the birds of the air come and steal it. You can harden your ground so that that thing just can't take root. Or we can say, listen, I want that to take root because that's what my future is. I want to find my future in God. Amen? So I'm gonna just pray and if you're in agreement, you can do whatever you need to do. Just open your hearts and just talk to the Lord. But Father, I just want to thank you that as we come today, Lord, and it's and a quarter into the meeting, Lord, we, we came here by an appointment from you. I don't know how you got here. You could have been, well, I was just visiting friends, or I just saw the sign outside, or I just, uh, I know somebody and I just came, or I've got family, or whatever. I want you to know this morning that that's not how you got here. You got here because God brought you here. You got here because it's your appointed time in history. And you have the privilege this morning of becoming a history maker. You can change your life and the history of your life and your family's life and their destiny and the purpose and the calling. If you will just yield and hear the voice of the Lord. I pray, Lord God, that people are not hearing my voice, but they're hearing your voice, Lord. I pray, Father, that for all of us, even as 2017 has been a tough year, you turn everything for good, Lord. If the toughness of this year has just brought us to a place of humility, of being open, of listening, of just being yielded, saying, God, maybe, just maybe I haven't got it all together, or maybe I don't know all the answers, then that's a good place to be. Then God's turning this year for good. Because right from the very beginning, God's desire was not for man to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was not an evil tree, friends. That was the knowledge of good and evil. Man has always wanted to rely on his own ability, his own knowledge, his own righteousness, his own thinking, his own way. I did it my way. God wants us to come humbly as Jesus, his son, did as we celebrate Christmas in the understanding of Christmas Day just to come humbly, to lay everything down. My time and my moment on this earth is not about me being famous. It's not about me achieving, friends. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about what God has called me to. If God's called me to be a CEO, then praise God. If God's called me to be the lowest, then God's called me to be the lowest, but it's about Him. Because the last shall be first, friends. 
We should all be clamoring to not be at the top, friends, because then we've got everything already. Jesus said, if you get all the praise and the thanks here, then you've already got your reward. But to do it for me, where people don't even see it, is to receive your reward in heaven way better. But Lord, we just wanna come and humbly bow our knee before you this morning and say, God, we don't wanna eat from that tree. It's not helped us. It's not been of any help in 2017. In fact, it's caused more problems, Lord. We wanna yield to you this morning. We wanna say, God, come and have your way. We wanna humble ourselves and Lord, whatever we've got and whoever we are and our titles and our finances or whatever it is, it's not something to be grasped. But we lay it down. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Will you direct us, Lord? Help us to make the right choices, to walk in the ways that you've called us to, to fulfill the plans and the purposes, Father, because we were born for this time. I just thank you for what you did. Lord, it is such great exceedingly joyful news that you came to this earth to die. May we as your children, Lord God, understand and learn that truth today, Lord God, that when we die and give our lives to you in the realm of the spirit, not in the natural, that you came, the Bible, I read it this morning, gives us resurrection life, redeems us. It makes us brand new kids with a great inheritance, yet that's not something that we wanna grasp, Lord God. In spite of all of that, Lord God, we wanna give our lives to you and lay it all down and come and serve, Lord God, and love you and do your, what you've called us to, Lord God so that many others, so that the one may become a multitude, so that the few might become many, so that the John the Baptist might usher in the Savior. So that you can finish this work, Lord, so that we can go home and be with you Lord, I pray for every single one of us today. This is great joy, friends. This is not heavy. This is not sad. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, then you are actually dead. And you don't even know it. Inside of you, the Bible says, because you have sinned, the wages of sin is death. You are separated from God. And if you were to breathe your last and your body was to finally the second death breathe its last you would spend eternity away from God that's not a very nice picture in the Bible but Jesus came to this earth to give us life and you can be made alive this morning as you just yield your life to Jesus you surrender to him and say thank you Lord for coming for me if it was just you he would have still come that he came and surrendered his life and became just like you and I and walked a normal life. Not even a place where he could put his head, not even a house 
and a donkey and a car that he could call his own. But he journeyed and was sinless so that he could represent us and take everything on himself and redeem us. He became a ransom. He paid the price so that we might have life. And yes, we might be called children of God and yes, we have an incredible inheritance and yes, everything that pertains to life and godliness is ours. And yes, you can achieve much greatness in this earth and much fame and much finances. But he has given us the model. And he said, you were made in my image. You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of God. To be his body on this earth, friends, is to lay down all those things and to live for him and him alone. May we this morning, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, lay everything else aside and live for him. He is worthy. May you open the gift of Jesus Christ this morning. And may you for eternity celebrate the beauty and the wonder of that amazing gift, the gift of knowing him and being his in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do whatever you need to do in every single heart this morning. May you complete and finish the work which you have started. May you seal, Holy Spirit, that which you have been working in every single one of our hearts, that we can go out today with such a smile, knowing we've got a great future and a hope because it's found in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.